Everyone tells you there's nothing better than a walk in the woods. Nature will surround you with its beauty and magic. You'll feel energized, refreshed, and alive. That is, until you round the bend and come face to face with the mysterious legend of the woods. The wild man, the yowie, skunk ape, Bigfoot, Sasquatch. Whatever the name, the legend is the same. A huge, hairy, bipedal man-beast. You freeze in awe and wonder, or perhaps pure fear. You hear something off to your left. You whip your head around. Nothing. You whip your head back to face the creature, and it's gone. Silent as a whisper on the wind. Did that really just happen? Maybe you got too much sun. Maybe it's just your imagination getting the best of you. Then you hear the howl of the great beast, a loud thumping against the trees, and you come to the realization that Bigfoot is real. Or is he? Well, strap on your hiking boots, throw on your best flannel shirt and durable jeans. It's time we head out to see if we can find Bigfoot with the eyes in the pines. Our guests, Nate Brislin, Jamie Kaler, and Brittany Barbieri. When we return to the very best in paranormal programming, this is the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. Brislin is a Maine-based artist, writer, filmmaker, and investigator specializing in cryptozoology. He's the founder of the Association of Cryptozoological Fieldwork and Analysis, which has amassed over 4,000 members worldwide since its creation in 2018. He's here to discuss his new documentary, Eyes in the Pines, the Pine Ape Project. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome to the Paranormal 60, Nate Brislin. Hey, Nate, welcome to the show. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Good. That was a very weird opening for me. I don't know if you guys were getting the same feedback I was getting, but my voice was talking back to me in my headset. It was like some kind of bizarre Twilight Zone loop. So I'm glad <laughs> I've got that out of the way. We're settled. I'm sure in the magic of edit for the audio, they're not even going to know that happened to me. But I'm glad <laughs> that you were able to hang in. We've got, uh, with your uh, approval here, we've got the trailer to your documentary, and I'd like to share that with everybody right now. Yeah, Absolutely. Maine has got many, many incidents because Maine is the most forested state in the Union, more than the Pacific Northwest. Bigfoot, creatures of your imagination or the focus in the hunt for the unknown? In the big woods, something is, I mean, we don't see everything in there. You know, it's been a question of, well, Bigfoot's really a bear that's walking on two legs. And yes, bear can do that. But these guys, usually over our hunters, it's, they know the difference between a bear and something that looks like a big hairy ape. The whole notion, there are Bigfoot reports here that they're active, lots of historical accounts, lots of interactions by hunters during the 18th century, and they would run across Bigfoot. 
make them in context and you have a whole bunch of weird things happen, then you start building this this body of evidence to support this. Especially you when you it, personally experience it. That's right. There was something huge walking behind our camp. He almost called us because he thought somebody was breaking into our camp. People are seeing something in the woods near their homes. It's not a moose, it's not a bear, it's not a person in a costume. They have no doubt. Just when you think it's safe, the creature comes back into the woods. Nate, it's good to have you here. Thanks a lot for being a part of the show. Yeah, thank you. This is very exciting. All right. So let's let's dive into this. First of all, you work very closely with a, a good friend, Lauren Coleman, on this. What what got you involved in an interest with cryptozoology and especially with Bigfoot? Well, I've always been super interested in like animals and dinosaurs, weird creatures from myths and legends as well. So crypto when i found out cryptozoology had a lot to do with all of those types of things it was just kind of the perfect field to get into for me and what about this specific area drew you to it because i've i've been hearing since i was a kid about these these bigfoot hotspots and i know people have gone out and many major hunters trackers and they can find absolutely no proof of any large hominid bipedal hairy beast that we have not yet discovered. What drew you to the specific area you decided to investigate for the documentary? So it's actually a camp that it's the whole area we've had for over a decade now. And um, we've experienced things ourselves. We're not, you know, saying it's Sasquatch. We've never had any personal, you know, eyewitness sightings or anything, but we've heard random, you know, wood, knocking starting in the middle of the night um uninitiated by us or anything our uh, neighbor actually said he's claimed to see a large upright hairy what he thought was a person and then a bear and then neither um as it walked across the yard on two legs um he thought it was trying to break into the back of our camp while we were gone um and he said it he was running through all the different things in his head and he said he thought it was a bigfoot um, so this whole area we kind of used as a hub for the investigations for the documentary and stuff like that. And it is in central Maine, which outside of our area that we have is also pulls in tons of sightings, especially historical sightings. Well, this is a question I'm going to throw to you and to Brittany a little bit later. I know she works with another buddy of mine um, uh, who's, who's very big into the, the cryptozoological uh, aspect of this, but are there still creatures in the woods of America that we have yet to discover. I understand Australia, New Zealand, but in America, how could we have not found everything? We are encroaching everywhere. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of the, um, maybe not as early back as um, like native American encounters and, you know, oral history and stuff like that. But with loggers and things like that was really when, we started to see a boom in Bigfoot sightings. Mm -hmm. um, and that was when we were, you know, encroaching on what people say is their territory and things like that. And um, the big reason why a lot of people say we 
don't find any bones or anything like that is that because of all the uh pacific northwest gets tons of rainfall soil is very acidic um so it breaks down bones and you know matter or organic matter very easily um not to mention that animals also eat bones there's a thing called um osteophagy which is literally herbivores eating bones and cows do it uh porcupines do it rat or mice do it squirrels do it and they do it for the calcium which a lot which a lot of animals need um and not only that but coyotes do bears do um birds of prey eat bones um when you're also accounting for the fact that these would be very rare animals in the first place um when all of that kind of adds up it's not too hard to see why we haven't found a body yet or anything like that there are these strange accounts and like you said the logging societies seem to be the ones plagued with it now that would make sense because you are encroaching in their area you're doing this however for as long as we've been encroaching on things we've been trying to protect things and there are a lot of activists and and people who are probably willing to strap on a chainsaw and flannel and jeans and go be a lumberjack to say they saw something because if we truly find something or believe there's something there it may stop us from deforestation right because now this is a habitat and we are disrupting it but for 50 60 70 100 plus years it, it doesn't seem to be affecting that aspect but if you find the rare red-breasted tit willow we shut down all business because this right. is their area right so how why do you think if there are this many sightings of something so rare that they're allowed to just continue to go in there and gut these areas is it is it because money talks well there's a few different ideas as to why people or as to why um that is some people say that it's a government cover-up which i don't necessarily believe myself but um a lot right. of it, that that's per, always perhaps the part to me aliens yeah i can understand because that makes you question our place in the world our safety our sanity uh you know i i and i'm not saying it's okay that our government hides things from us but bigfoot to me was always like that's like the dumbest thing for mm -hmm. them to you know it's like them saying mm, great danes don't exist right why what is the it but so many people have seen a great Dane. it doesn't exist why would you right. hide uh, a big monster character right i mean is it obviously there are very it seems very few instances of them becoming violent to the point of hurting someone and that just seems to have caught on in the last seven to eight years at least in the broadcasting yeah. i've done with hearing bigfoot becoming more aggressive uh, but I guess as we aggressively continue to encroach on them, that that might happen. Yeah, totally. And I guess um, with the cover-up theory, it's it could go to you know logging pulls in tons of money, national parks pull in tons of money, um, campsites, hiking, things like that. Um, where if people, if there is a big ape man that's discovered, people would probably uh, be less inclined to go out into the woods and spend their money on camping and you know people logging and things like that um Let, let's, again that's let's just one theory yeah let's re revisit that concept for a minute yeah. this these are the absurdities i find in this field and i'm i saw something i believe wholeheartedly was a bigfoot when i was a kid so i saw something myself i'm not dismissing the concept of it i think it's amazing and i think why not uh i've questioned what it might be is it interdimensional is it a ghost is it something flesh and blood that's out there so that's so 
you go to national parks, there are poisonous snakes, a lot of poisonous snakes. There are poisonous spiders. There are lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, probably no tigers, but there are a lot of creatures that are seemingly much more violent. As a matter of fact, if we go through the pantheon of state parks and look at attacks, I'm willing to bet that there's more on record from from pumas and and coyotes and wolves than there is from Bigfoot, right? So why why be afraid of that? I just think just the general idea of a eight foot tall, you know, gorilla human might scare some people. But then again, um, we've had, you know, these poisonous snakes and mountain lions. Um, we've been born into a world where we know these things exist and are out there and we're taught that people aren't really taught, you know, that Bigfoot exists in a hypothetical, you know, like if Bigfoot is real and we find one, we aren't accustomed to that idea so if it's just suddenly one day we find one and it's all bigfoot's real everyone's like gonna be like i'm not going into the woods again <laughs> if we know those things are out there right it's it's fascinating to me i like the different cultures and that the obviously the native americans seem to have adopted the fact that these beings are another tribe and they're a tribe that the, a lot of the native americans that i've spoken to on and off air just avoid they mm-hmm. You know, they're they're a tribe you don't want to mess with. Right. They're the they're the uh, tribe from the wrong side of the tracks, as opposed to right all the rest that are not eight foot tall, hairy hominids. Um, right. What do you feel about this uptick in in violence? Do you believe that that's real or is it just people striving to become part of the history, become part of the story? I do think Hollywood uh, plays a big part in it. Um and especially in painting our view of how, you know, certain cryptids look, um, just take a very popular example, especially at the uh, Cryptozoology Museum in Portland, is that the Yeti is not actually white, according to all of the um, sightings and all their myths and legends. They never talk about white Yetis. It was only after the bumble from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was such a huge thing that everyone started seeing the Yeti and Abominable Snowman as being white-haired when um, there's never been eyewitness sightings or any sort of indigenous testimony that would um, say anything similar. Um, And even then, things like the Wendigo, um, that's the big picture of it now is that it's a big skeletal antler deer type creature. And again, that's also not what the Native Americans say it is. It's more like an emaciated... uh, tall skinny humanoid type creature um and that's also because of more modern you know like internet spreading all sorts of different things from you know movies that don't always know what they're talking about Um, hollywood is embellishing (laughs) right blanks like mad libs for our mind right yeah well and then there there are um more centralized um violent Bigfoot encounters down south with the uh, Falk monster of Arkansas. Uh, the Legend of Boggy Creek um, was actually based on these violent attacks uh, that people were experiencing in this one centralized area of a violent Bigfoot. So there's some there's tr- definitely truth uh, to some of it in terms of what people are reporting. Um, but I don't I do definitely think that um, films and movies play a big part in how um, a lot of people perceive cryptids. It makes me wonder, the violent ones always do seem to come from the deep south. I'm wondering how many of these Bigfoot have just stumbled upon a hidden still somewhere. 
and they're just a little, un, a little unruly for uh you know i haven't hit the hit the uh homemade moonshine one too many times right. uh the the concept that these beings exist um you go out you put you your team out in the field to film document and prepare for this um you, you're not ready to you know, put your John Hancock that it does exist, but th- you are coming across something anomalous, something that doesn't fit in with known zoological creatures. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, again, I don't think I, until I see one for myself or we find a big footprint in the ground, um, I, I don't think I'll definitely say for certain that what we're finding is made by Sasquatch or done by Sasquatch. But, um, you know, we have found these almost impossible tree structures where like four or five trees are pulled together, uh, which you see a clip of in the trailer. Um, And we have our cameras triggered by something that comes back on a consistent basis um, in the film. Um, You know, these anomalous wood knocks where we're in the middle of the woods where there's no one else, you know, for miles. Um, It would be kind of weird if something wasn't, going on whatever whatever that is if that makes sense no i'm i'm with you on that however let's go to the part let's go to the structure aspect of it because you know watching um and having visited the south a lot i know there are a lot of hunts hunters and and people that are just they live off the grid and they found ways to sling ropes up and pull things over to give them canopies and keep them somewhat protected in these environments how do we discount the fact that it's not human intervention it's not human structures you know just because they're tall trees doesn't mean that there isn't uh scientific and engineering principles that we could apply to create the same effect absolutely and uh, a lot of these um could absolutely very easily be um done by people it's the weird part is when it's in our own backyard on our property where no one's allowed to go and we have our neighbors watching our property who at least we don't think they would do something like that because it's not like them you know they're older people they don't they can't just get a crane or something and go in and pull down four trees in a row behind our backyard when there's no they would have to clear cut parts of it just to get a vehicle in there so it's it's it i think it would be odd if that is what was going on have you ever felt uh, danger. Have you ever felt like you're in a place that could potentially cause you some harm? And I don't I mean, mean just from the natural aspects, but from these right. beings. I wouldn't say so. Um, okay. Being in, in the woods, um, even with known animals like mountain gorillas or anything like that, um, you have to be in there for a while, especially in terms of primates, um, and gorillas specifically, you have to be out there for weeks and weeks to even um, for them to even allow you to see them where they'll mm-hmm. reveal themselves to you. Um, so I'm not really worried about getting, you know, my head blasted with a rock or anything like that <laughs> or getting ripped apart or anything. Um, that's why we set out, you know, cameras in these areas. That's why we're setting out like, um, these scent lures that are primate, uh, primate infused, whatever you want to say. Um, and kind of draw them to us because we've already found that there's something weird going on on the property. Um, and if it is Bigfoot, that they, they are reacting to the 
primate you know scent lures that we put out um on camera where we've had them had things trigger cameras um obviously we're not getting you know big harry and the henderson face in on our trail camera but we are getting strange flashes of um hair and this these things are repeatedly coming back at the same time when when they are triggered so it's very odd if it was just like a deer leaving and then coming back exactly 24 hours on the dot um so i'm not i'm not sure (laughs) all right to you and i know you can't give much away from the documentary but obviously Mm -hmm. you want people to see it and see what you uncover with your team in this has your perspective of what you believe these beings to be changed radically over the years not really because i think i i went into this with a very very much a zoological sort of Mm -hmm. mindset where i do think that these cryptids are undiscovered animals um so if anything i think it's reinforced it because we're applying these biological sort of things to it um and they're reacting in a way that's almost expected um but we are finding, you know, these concentrations um, where sightings take place and they're reacting to scent lures and we're finding these stick structures in certain areas. Um, so I don't think it's changed too much. If anything, I think it's reinforced the idea that these are um, flesh and blood creatures over a paranormal type thing. <clears throat> right. Well, that's good to know that, uh, you know, there's uh, we don't have to worry about the spooky aspect of it all. Um that and, and I understand that's your take on it. There are a lot of people that believe they're interdimensional and that they <clears throat> there's something above the normal when it comes to dealing with these with these beings. What to you has been the most compelling piece of evidence that this exists, at least to you? Um I mean not so much recently, but a lot of the analysis where we're going back and looking at older pieces of evidence mm-hmm. and finding consistencies like hair and hair analysis, where people are putting together older um, data that's been collected, like hair and, you know, trackways and certain things like that, um, and sort of building a database um, is the, the amount of consistencies in certain pieces of evidence is what really gets me because it's obviously not um, one person leaving, you know, fake pieces of carpet or something for people to find that to trick them into thinking they found Bigfoot hair or one person stomping around with uh, wooden trackway stompers. You actually do see um, differentiation and um, very small, fine details in, you know, things like footprints um, where you see the, um, the, uh, I can't think of what it's called, the dermal ridges, which right. are the, the ridges um, on the skin. Um, and that's very hard to fake, especially with something, you know, that people say is, oh, it's a wooden stomper or something like that. Right. Um, and the historical evidence builds up as well, because a lot of animals that we know of today, like the giant squid, giant panda, mountain gorilla, were all considered to be, you know, myths and legends. And then indigenous people had their own names for them and they knew about them well before Western science was even able to touch them really. Um, so it's another thing where it's, you, if you just look at it all um, collectively um, and find consistencies and draw it to what we know in nature today, um, it, it's, not, it's not too far fetched hmm. in my opinion. Do you think that we're close that we're 
within five years of finally discovering the species and being able to prove the existence of Bigfoot? Or do you believe these things have stayed hidden from the dawn of time uh, and, and have evaded capture as far as we know? Where are your thoughts on that? Um, I don't think we'll find, I don't, I don't think, unless someone, you know, like hits one on the highway or something. Um, but I don't think we're going to be able to go out, you know, with pe people out with, you know, camera crews and things like that. And, you know, cage one or anything like that. Um, I don't think well, we're not with that attitude, Nate Brizzle. <laughs> I guess not. Yeah. A little positivity, <laughs> son, get out there and get the job done. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, I don't know. It took, I don't know off the top of my head, but I think 50 or so years before the either mountain gorilla or giant panda. Um, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but before that was even discovered by Western science. And that was that all, all, way after, right. again, you know, indigenous people knew about them. Um, so really with Sasquatch, we're sort of in the infancy of it in terms of that aspect. Um, so I don't think we're, I, th I think it's it would have to be something circumstantial in order for us to really, you know, prove it exists in terms of finding a body, at least, because I don't believe we're going to be able to go out and, you know, pow, shoot one and drag it back or anything like that. Uh, I, well, that's good. I know you, you know, that's the funny thing about this specific being, you know, it's one of those sometimes you have to crack an egg to make an omelet. And in order to prove it, you may have to kill one. I would not want to be the guy that killed one. Right. Oh, yeah, uh, on purpose or accident. Oh my God, they would have your head, but it would, you know, I think it's going to take that unless one, you know, is like a Dave Schrader Yeti and just drops dead from a, a donut heart attack on your front porch. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's when you're going to, Oh, you know, natural causes. Um, <laughs> very cool. Well, the, the documentary is out and available. We have a link for it on tonight's program guide. So people can find it eyes from the pines, the pine ape project. And uh, it is out and available now. You've got a, a whole plethora of different documentaries and programs out there as well, looking into the strange and anomalous. Uh, I'd love to have you back with us, Nate, and, and look into some of these other creatures and uh, phenomena that you've you've uncovered as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, my, my other documentary is more so along the paranormal lines. So excellent. Maybe, maybe, well, maybe more up your alley. But I, well, I hey, <laughs> this is up my alley. Don't just because I'm, uh, you know, I'm still on the fence about it. Don't don't think that I've dismissed the, <laughs> the aspect of Bigfoot. I'm curious as all hell uh, about this. And I know that what I saw did not look human. Um, right. Yeah. But I still can't, you know, logically, my brain continues to fight me to this day. Well, you were a kid. You misunderstood you. But I know in my heart of hearts that what I saw was not just a bear or a moose or. Oh, yeah. You know, That's very typical of, you know, a lot of other people have seen Bigfoot and other cryptids and stuff like that. So, yeah. All right. Cool. Nate, thank you so much. We'll make sure that we've got links up for you, for your website and for the uh, documentaries people can find easily. Take care of yourself. Thanks for having me. All right. We're going to take just a very, very brief break. When we come back, Jamie Kaler joins us and we're going to take a walk into Willow Creek to see if we can face Sasquatch on a found footage film that you may not even know exists made by Bobcat Goldthwaite. It's got to be perfect. It's won awards, critically acclaimed. And I only send Jamie to watch the very best, like Lamageddon. I'm hoping that this one steps things up a little bit and gives us a better look at it. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap? Read a book? 
or just show up for a friend. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get better help. Visit betterhelp.com p60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's better help h-e-l-p dot com slash p60 it's time to take control of your life dave's here rooting you on and if i can do this you can do this let's do this together betterhelp.com slash p60 there's a link for it on today's program guide jamie kaler is an actor comedian father semi-regular contributor to this show and host of the Parents' Lounge podcast live on Tuesday nights. Tonight, he's back with us for a new edition of Upon Further Review. Jamie, welcome back to the show, my friend. Big Dave, I love getting the call. You go to the go to the bullpen and say, get Kaler in here. I got a movie, Willow Creek. We got to do it. By the way, that, uh, that ad for Spooked Magazine, yeah, that's the most terrifying piece of footage I've seen in a long time. It is. Anytime it's you have a British accent with an echo chamber and then just going along the leaves of the forest. It's like, I'm a little boy, boy who's very scary, scary. I was like, Holy cow. That thing's terrifying, man. Well, so listen, I, ordered, I already ordered the magazine. Good. You should. It's a great magazine. I know. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be in an upcoming issue. So that's the origins of Dracula. I thought it was Vlad the Impaler, right? Isn't that? No, that? the real origins of Dracula have bigger ties to Jack the Ripper than they do Vlad the Impaler. So that's why you want to read that magazine. Neil Story's been on the show. So We've Bram Stoker wrote that after Jack the Ripper? During jack the ripper is that when it was written it is the same time frame, right. right yeah he, he and he believes that he met jack the ripper at one point during his illustrious career but that's not what we're here to talk about we're here to talk about willow creek downright scary that's what bloody disgusting says nerve-wracking from another company i can't read because it's really small print the monster movie of the summer from yet somebody else believe in bigfoot look at it is an award winner from fright fest fantasia and Jeff, but what is that? Jeff Boston? Is that mm-hmm. uh, IFF Boston? Probably IFF Boston. So I sent you an award winner sure. this time. Plus, look at how creepy that movie poster is. Poster's great. Yeah, the poster's yeah. Great. And I'm a huge fan of Bobcat Goldthwait. Huge. Here's yeah. I mean, part of him it feels Bigfooty. Like, like you in know big, what? the comic, he was starting Bobcat Goldthwait. Right. You're yeah. going to have to check yourself after you're done with this yeah. interview. Oh, I missed it. Uh, I need to change it. All right. Well, listen, it's been a while, ladies and gentlemen. 
It's time now for Upon Further Review. Jamie, let's give them a little taste of the cinematic expertise that you got to watch. I said I will come on this trip to help you with your film. I'm not about to say that I believe in Bigfoot. Friends will all think you're crazy, and you'll spend all of your days searching for something that you never find. 29 miles north of here, you come to the bottom of Bluff Creek. Pets and people go missing all the time. We're here! (laughs) The real truth of it is you're out in the middle of nowhere. How do we know we're going in the right direction? Come here! Turn that thing okay. off. Okay. That sounds like someone's crying. It's called the Blair Squatch Project. Is that? Or Sask Blair Project. Did you ever watch Blair Witch Project? I did. Scared the living yeah. hell out of me. I think it was because of the motion sickness, though. That's what really got to me. I don't know that yeah, the, the movie bothered me as much. As... Um, I wanted to hate this film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually, I mean. It's true, folks. Let me read it. Let me read shot, my first he shot from, it in from five days. Taylor. The two actors are, they're great. They're right. really good. Mm-hmm. Um, here's my, it's, it's an ambiance film. It's a mood. The whole thing, not much in the same vein as Blur Witch, really. Nothing happens until, I don't think I'm wrecking Blur Witch 50 years later, but the end when the, when the one person's like just standing in the corner facing the corner is the whole Blur Witch, right? It's like, it, it's like a long prank where you're like, who is something up for like 90 minutes and then finally, ah! and that's the end of the movie, right? And in the same vein, but they create an, it's like, you know how they sell candles now that's, it's like New Jersey and you light it and it's supposed to smell like New Jersey. There's candles where you can go like, yeah, yeah. yeah you can go home, you know, home or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just a smell. Right. And you go, oh, that smells like home. They, they, if it was a candle that was like, horror film and you lit it and you go ah this smells like a horror yeah yeah it feels like a horror film and but it's you know listen i'm not a woods guy the whole time i'm like oh shit they're gonna get poison ivy like this is you know like that's what i'm oh the mosquitoes must have been awful that's so to me like the sasquatch stuff is like almost like secondary to just the sheer terror of the woods um i kind of I liked it based on the performance of the two people. Bobcat does a great job by keeping, it's just, there's a weird tension to it. Right. I mean, where it's right. like, nothing's really happening. There's, there's one scene that's 18 minutes long. The two of them in the tent towards the end of the film, it's 18 minutes uncut two people in a film just going, did you hear that? That's so it's sound. kind of the jaws theory. Of the less you see, the more terrifying it is because your mind plays well, what, what did you think about it? You know, I, again, I'm not a big fan of found footage films because most of the time in the theaters, they make me wicked yeah. sick. 
Yeah. Uh, I said that for you because I know you're from Boston, Jamie. Uh, they, yeah, they make me sick and, and I get sweats and nausea and I have to lay down. And I'm like, this is probably what it would really feel like to be in the woods for me. So uh, that anxiety, that claustrophobia, I, you know, it, oh, but Dave, it's wide open spaces. No, it's shrouded with leaves and pointy things and, and creatures that want to eat you. So I, I, I'm always hyper aware, even when I take the kids to the park, I don't trust squirrels or chipmunks. So Bigfoot, I'm out. Um, it's a long setup. But the payoff's pretty fun. There's, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a Blair Witch shot at the end. We're like, wait, what was that? Do I need to back that up to go, what What did I just look at? Like, there's some there's some crazy stuff in it, man. But, you know, anytime two people are like, like, there's a, there's a local who's like, get out of here or I'll kill you people in the middle of the woods. And they go, ah, ignore that guy. Let's just go set up our tent over here. And I'm like, no, I, w- I would definitely listen no, to that. Yeah, that's I the don't guy know you want to I that guy seemed pretty determined to not have us around here, and I he seems to know his way around. Not a dude you want to mess with, right? No, definitely. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Uh, yeah. So, but they throw in some of those fun tropes to keep you second guessing: Are we going to really deal with a Bigfoot, or is it crazy inbred hillbillies, or whatever's you know what going I really on? Really likes about it, Dave. And as you know, as a fan, and and with your show of all the people who are huge um, Bigfoot fans. I was really interested in the opening stuff where they go to where the famous footage is shot. I never knew right. any of that. Patterson and Gilman, that's the right. real thing. And I, so I kind of did some research and Bobcat Goldthwait was going to shoot. He was going to shoot a comedic movie in the vein of Christopher Guest, best in show with all Bigfoot fans. So he went to the location and kind of saw it. And then changed his mind and said, I see more of a, a heart, which I thought was super interesting because it would have right. been super funny. But he also was like, he kind of got there and he was like, I don't want to make fun of these people. I think what they're doing is kind of cool. And it was, uh, I really loved, you're like, that's definitely like near where that footage is shot, right? Yes. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Super Very cool. All right. So uh, now this movie also not super long, right? What was it, an hour, 14 yeah, minutes? Yeah, 90, 90 minutes stops. Yeah. stops. Uh, uh, so, moved, honestly, for a found footage film, it moved. It kind of moved along pretty well. Honestly, the two actors, I thought, did a great job, and all the extra uh, people who kind of popped in to be creepy people. Mm-hmm. I thought it, you know, shot it in five days. Obviously, no budget involved. I was very impressed with what they did. So, yeah, I could see how it won awards, and I, honestly, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a pretty good movie. All right, so one to five phantoms. One, it sucks. It's right there with Lamageddon. Five, it is Night of the Living Dead kind of stuff. What are we what are we putting this at? For for what it is mm-hmm. and what they were striving for, four out of five. Ain't bad, I would wow. argue. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, you know what? I kind of I mean the I thought the actors did listen, two people without special effects, without a lot of like crazy stuff going on just two people in a tent kind of like creating right. a vibe i thought they did a great job and i thought bobcat actually covered it really well so i kind of enjoyed it and i highly recommend it as especially if you're a bigfoot fan like the lodge and stuff where bigfoot is and when they get there in the mural and they're like oh they're making him a day laborer like they're making kind of fun of it in a fun way and then they get involved in the whole thing i kind of enjoyed it very cool. Speaking of enjoying it, the Parents Lounge every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific time. Jason Gowan, Jamie Kaler, 
They have their friends join them. They talk about the wiles and craziness of being parents. And uh, you got a couple of cool guests coming up this week, right? We do. Lachlan Patterson, who is one of our favorites, uh, great comedian. Eddie Pence is coming on. Um, we had the Moms of Tampa uh, we filmed today, which was super hilarious. These two moms, there's a, there's a bio, bio mom and the stepmom, and they became best friends, and they're both very cute, and they kind of co-parent. So it's the whole show is about parenting, and it's really nothing else. We don't talk any anything else, no religion, no politics, no anything. We just talk about parenting, and it turns into a pretty funny uh, fest, as you have known, because you've yep. come on and told some of the funniest stories ever, my brother. Thank you. Well, I'd love to join you guys again. I know we'll have you back to do some more reviews. Jamie, stay safe. Willow Creek, see it. All right. You guys heard it. Willow Creek, check it out for yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time to be joined by my next guest. Britt Barbieri is a ufologist, cryptozoologist, and paranormal investigator. Her mentor in ufology and co-host on No Earthly Explanation podcast is author, ufologist Donald Schmidt. She leans on her good friend and mentor, Professor Jeff Meldrum, for all things Sasquatch, and she creates paranormal content with her fellow investigator, Ben Hansen, and is a consultant for the new Alien TV series, Station 211. Make sure you check out her podcast, No Earthly Explanation. We're going to have a link up for that on tonight's program guide. So make sure you check that out. Brittany, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Dave. This has been great so far. I love it. I, so what came first for you, ufology or cryptozoology? Cryptid. Cryptid. In, mm -hmm. in, did you find your way into interest in ufology because of this strange uh, uh kind of symbiotic relationship some of these areas seem to have with UFOs and Bigfoot, or does that not even cross your, your radar? No, it didn't. It actually, so, um, you know, I was born in Tucson, Arizona, and my family, mm -hmm. of course, was out there always in the desert. And so they used to share stories of seeing lights that would do really weird zigzag patterns and just vanish, you know? And so I always mm -hmm. have heard those stories of knowing about what UFOs were, and of course, seeing close encounters and learning all about Hynek. Um, but I grew up on an exotic animal ranch in Estes Park, Colorado. So animals are always in my family and my blood. We, we were always involved with them. And so crypto kind of just fell into my lap where I was like, sure, this is totally for me. Oh my gosh. You know? Um, but really, it really took a, a full, like I got right in the Jeep and took off right when I had my first really, what I consider my first real experience at eight years old with my mom while we were feeding the animals on the ranch. Um, you know, you grow up in, in, the, in the mountains for so long, you, you learn animals, you learn animal behavior, you learn different sounds. And, you know, if anybody's heard a deer die, it sounds like a woman dying. It's the most horrific. It's very horrific. Yeah. So when you hear these things, you're familiar. Bobcat chatters just is crazy. And so we were out feeding one night and something just literally across the street let out the most... I mean, it probably sent the hairs on my bone fiber to stand up. I mean, it literally shook every core. And I remember I had the grain in my hand. My mom was on the other side of the fence. Thank God she had the barn with the baby llamas. But I'm sitting there like this, and we hear it. And it, I mean, it's, it was so close. And I just went, oh, and I dropped the grain, and I left her to die. Uh, you know, outside and I ran inside and I closed the glass door on the porch and I just sat there for a minute and it like hit me for a second. I was like, Oh my God, my mom just died. 
by something I don't know what. So I fling open the door and I run off the back porch and she's and she's like, you left me. You literally left me. And I was like, you had the barn, mom. You had the barn. Had so the it was barn. funny. You know, it was like you have those experiences wow. that happened. And then that was it for me. You know, I was, was like, there, that's as you got older and you were around exotic animals more and natural habitat animals. Did did you ever hear that sound again? No. So do you believe Not that once. it was something tied to Sasquatch or do, do you believe that it, it was just an animal crying out in pain or, or to f- maybe try to frighten you off? No, this was, this was very guttural. I mean, vocal cord human, like it just, it was very weird. And honestly, I think it was something trying to let us know that it was there and wanted to see how we reacted and it got what it wanted, obviously, but it definitely wanted to see our response and it got what it wanted. And then we never heard it again. And of course, when we shared with my dad, we used to have a really big high peak behind the house and up on the back there used to be a really cool, like natural pond that was in the rock. And my brothers would go up there with my dad and my dad decided to share this story with us one night. We're like, yeah, something was watching us when we were up there. We know it wasn't oh. an animal. So it was like, oh, now you tell us we're here alone while you're on a business trip. We could have been eaten alive. You know, it was yeah. just, it was crazy. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's real. It's, it's out there. So you don't feel like it was an actual threat. You think maybe it was more of just a psychological test on you? Or do you think you just got a pair of jerk? Bigfoot that are out in the woods. He's like, Larry, come here, watch this. There's a little blonde girl. Like, and watch you guys scatter like dust. Could it be that that was what was really going on? You know, you never know. There is so much up in the mountains. They could have been drinking a little something, having a little too much good time up there. But um, there's moonshine involved in this. I'm telling you, earlier yeah. when you mentioned that, I was like, you know, that explains a lot of accounts. Hmm, that, they're peeking in windows. You guys got any more? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but hey, uh, I, uh, no. drink some moonshine. You guys got any Funyuns in there? <laughs> <laughs> Can someone take me to Seven Eleven, please? Yeah, um, my castle's closed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh my god! But yeah, I mean, exactly. But no, I think learning annual animal behavior—they'll test you. You know, mm-hmm. animals like to test you and see. You know, birds, you know, I did a lot of training with exotic birds and my God, a bird will bite you just to see how you react. And I learned for the longest time, you never jerk away. Let that bird bite the hell out of you because you've now taken away every defense mechanism it has. And then all of a sudden it realizes, oh, that didn't work. Okay, fine. Whatever, lady, I'll step up. I'll bow down, whatever you want me to do. I mean, it's just learning animal behavior. And that's basically, I think it was, you see it a lot in, in primates. They do a lot of things to see what you do and how you react. And if you see a lot of the lowland gorillas and stuff like that, a lot of the um, the tour guides will even say, do not acknowledge anything they do. Just remain still and act as whatever they do. Don't Don't show any fear anything at all and it'll go away and you know they they have to do that i mean it's it's crazy but they'll test you to see where you are no thanks i i am interested i I'd, <laughs> I'd like to get back out there and i'd like to try to go to a known habitat where these beings are but there is so much of me that's like i cannot run anymore <laughs> this is gonna be bad <laughs> and i'm not the kind of guy who's gonna bring a gun out to the woods so you know, yeah. I don't know. Do yeah. I just bring a box of Twinkies and start throwing things at him, hoping he's going to eat the Twinkies and leave me alone? I don't know. I don't know, Brittany. There's not <laughs> enough, not enough hardcore data. Nate did There's not enough. help me with that. He didn't tell no. me yet. 
you know, James Bobo Faye tells me if you nail nail some uh, um, ribs to a tree, Bigfoot loves ribs on a tree. Who doesn't love ribs on a tree? But I don't always carry no. those with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like hard to find in the middle of the woods, you know. What do you, what do you make of this correlation? People want to make uh, Bigfoot something bigger and better than just a, a natural creature. They, oh, it's got to be connected to UFOs. Oh, it's got to be interdimensional. Oh, it's got to be ghosts of these caveman creatures that we're actually witnessing. Yeah. With ghosts, I've learned that maybe it's not just one thing. Maybe it is an aspect of each one of these different theories. Where do you fall in on this with the concept of what Bigfoot really is? I love the theories. I love, honestly, I am such a supporter in the fact that everybody has their own ideas or somebody will theorize something based on their own personal experiences in the woods. But for me personally, I, I do not see the connection only because I've worked with animals for so long that they're tricksters. And it's something that you learn working all the time with animals mm -hmm. and large animals that it you begin to see well if they want to hide they're going to hide and you're not going to see them as clear as right. day you know and especially the woods i think people misunderstand that you know you going out into a, a small section of the woods and thinking oh if i would have seen it no you wouldn't have because there's so many other areas and in certain cases um, mountain lions we had a mountain lion that actually would stalk its prey by waiting up in the tree. And our our neighbor, Bob Riley, he was out feeding the llamas one time and like looked up and this thing was just staring at him, paw down, tail just waiting. Cause he actually would take and kill his prey, take it back to a cave and bury it. And that's how they discovered one of the llamas that were missing was his little feet were out of the ground, but it would bury it for later. So, you know, it's like, ooh, listen. <laughs> That's why I say I want to. I think that one of these shows is missing the mark. They, they don't need another Josh Gates or Bear Gryllis out there. They need a Dave Schrader in they one do. of those giant hamster balls so I can walk around outside <laughs> and feel kind of safe as I'm moving about the woods in the giant hamster ball, getting wedged between trees. I so badly want to get you out in the no. woods with Ben and I. I think it would just be so much fun. I'm not, it would be so fun. It'd be so fun. Yeah. He's a Bigfoot. Um, yeah right yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, yeah I, I'm so you've had experiences have you mm -hmm. seen something you believe is a Bigfoot unfortunately no I have seen footprints mm -hmm. I have seen all of those elements that have led me on the journey to know that there's something there mm -hmm. but as far as actually seeing one like in person with my own eyes no I've heard all the sounds that are claimed, but nothing else. No. Sounds, sounds baffle me because, you know, I've, I've talked to some Bigfoot experts and I'm using that quotes in my head because I, I'm not an outdoors guy, but when they yeah. play me this, you got to hear this. And I listen, to, I'm like, I'm not an outdoors guy, but that sounds an awful lot like a wolf or a coyote. Yeah. Yeah. And and they're like, no, 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 Bigfoot mimics that. And I'm like, that seems like a really lame excuse to me, that it's Bigfoot mimicking a wolf. And you can tell the difference between a wolf and a from Bigfoot, right? Uh, now, if he was out there going, now I might believe it's Bigfoot not exactly doing a great werewolf impersonation. But the sounds the sounds don't do much for me, but one thing I've been, I, yeah. I would love to know, and I should have asked this to Nate as well. The, the footprints, mm -hmm. the dermal ridges, the weight, 
there are a lot of heavy set people that like to go fishing and by the by the mm-hmm. waterways and you go out and you slide even in sand you you step and i'm a heavier guy a big guy I step and my footprint probably looks bigger than it actually is and if it's a heavier set person who might be carrying some equipment and they're barefooting yeah. it down by the lake that they've how do we know we're not just getting like a slide print that that appears to be bigger than it really is because there are some of these footprints that people have claimed are up to 24 to 33 yeah. inches in size and i'm like couldn't that just be something that's big and it kind of slides into it giving yeah. that perception yeah i agree with you 100 the thing is that people underestimate soil and ground a lot mm-hmm. and i am one to tell you and jeff will laugh at this because i've sent him tracks that ended up being human because mm-hmm you really, it's really hard to tell the difference. The thing is with our feet versus like a Sasquatch feet, it's the distribution of weight. So it's more like a flat base um, with them where they only have one. I mean, it's almost when they, they walk, it's extremely flat versus where we use a lot of our ball of our feet to push up and they don't, they don't do that. There's a lot of anatomy changes there, but there are so many, that is why it's tricky when you're looking for even a footprint alone, because realistically in any types of soil, you're exactly right. You're going to get that slide effect that, you know, those little areas where it looks like, Oh, we slipped, but then you, you know, got stuck in the mud and pulled it out and then it stretched out, you know, to be even longer. So right. when taking it to somebody like Meldrum, who is my go-to for footprints, there are other things on the foot that he looks for that is extremely different in bone structure and the design of the foot that cannot be replicated even by our own foot if it slides in the mud. And as far as like the 24, 23 inch foot, I, I'm, I know that there are people that believe that these Sasquatch are like 10, 11, 12 feet tall, you know, and as for me, I don't because even in the woods, when a bear stands up, your fear kicks in and you're like, oh my God, that thing has got to be 15 freaking feet tall, but he's not, he's really like only eight, you know, cause I grew up with grizzlies. We had a grizzly across the street. And the funny part is we never knew it was there. This thing was probably the size of a van and our llamas were the ones that gave us the warning call that were like, it's right there. Why aren't, and this one llama kept looking at my mom and then looking back at the bear, but we still couldn't see it. And so she started making all this noise and that's when we saw it, it like turned the blubber on its chest moved as it stood on the rock and it just looked at us. We're like, Oh my God, how quick can we get in the house? But even bears that size, they don't leave footprints. It's weight distribution. So it's a lot that we have to think about. You know, it's a lot different from our anatomy as, as weight goes with animals like this, you know, it's the same thing I bring up all the time when footprints disappear, there's a lot there. Well, let's let's talk about that aspect. I know Nate brought up the fact that there are animals that eat bones, which would make sense. Mm -hmm. And there are scavengers that will take every part of the body if they're given the chance. And if these things are good enough at hiding and they do drop dead in the woods, I would guess they'd be eaten pretty quickly by whatever's out there or pieces dragged away. Uh, But what about the footprints? That to me is baffling that they you could be walking on the same mud track and they're boom, 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 boom. And then nothing. Well, okay. So again, back to soil change. So in the woods, we have a lot of different soil change, but again, it's the weight distribution. But on top of that, a lot of things that people kind of overthink or not even think about actually at the time is if this is a primate, we know that the anatomy, the legs are a little bit shorter than what the arms and the upper torso is much like primates, much like apes. So there is no real reason as to why this animal, if it really wants to take off low to the ground and not be seen, would it run like a gorilla or most primates would, which they get down on all four and they run. And if by doing this, 
you will lose footprints and you will no longer have any way to track unless you have a scent to track for a dog with an actual Sasquatch trend track. Um, because basically when a gorilla starts running or any primate on its hands, there's not even really a deep scuff. All that weight distribution that goes onto their hands and knuckles and the kind of the, they don't even have a lot of hair there because of it. It just more or less becomes rounded and you're not going to get digs like a horse or a deer you're not even going to notice that in any of the, in the soil or in the ground or the grass. And in some areas up in Washington, it's like mushy grass. It's almost right. like watery mushy. So you're not going to see anything. You might see what looks like push down, but normal people, unless you're looking for Bigfoot would be like, Oh, that's deer activity. That's elk activity. We're in moose country. That's moose activity. Like you just wouldn't even put two and two together. So that's something that I always look at when, when footprints go away. All right. I've got a two tiered question here. And I'm going to be honest with you, you're the first female Bigfoot investigator I think I've ever asked this to. So first of all, when you go on an investigation, do you bring any kind of weapon to protect yourself? That's a very good question. I do. I also don't ever go alone. Right. That is extremely important, especially nowadays in the woods. Um, I mainly bring blades. I don't, I don't really carry a gun. I don't, I, you know, it's very, there's so many hunters in the woods and it, you know, first of all, just let me move. say that was the most badass answer I've got. I mostly bring blades because you think oh. this is going to be a close contact. You're going to be like jumping up on the <laughs> chopping at him with a knife. That's the bad, most badass Listen. answer I've ever heard. So well played. <laughs> Thank the second you. Part of that question to you is, and I've asked many investigators, and it's funny because now that I get to do the video, I get to watch the blank stare when I ask them, uh, "What's the plan when you bump into one?" Right? Because I'm if they are it. these giant things, right? Yeah. That, there goes the bad actory right out the window. Sorry. Come here. Come yeah, exactly. here. Let me give you, you know, a You know you missed me. What is your plan if one comes tearing at you? I mean, it's, and, and you know how many of the male investigators who go out every weekend? None of them have a plan. I've, I, yep. they're, they're going there to, to capture photograph and audio. And I'm like, well, what if it shows up and it's pissed? This is a big predator. Yeah. So, okay. There has been a lot of thought for me on this. So the only gun that I would carry when I'm actually going to go out and stay for a very long period of time would be a trank. And in the animal field, that would be big. That'd be something I would absolutely want to do. So you definitely want to trank it, but tranking, you have to go based on weight. So you're kind of sitting there going, okay, wait a second with weight here. What could we be up against? 800 pounds, a thousand pounds. We don't really know because we don't know based of size. But for me, I always sit there and go, God, I would do a trank. And I would trank it and then I would bring it to a real public place like a Walmart to where nobody could stop me and it could be truly televised and everybody could see that it's real. This isn't fake. And nobody has time to try and take this from me. You know, like the past story. The, the badass answer part of that is that you pull it into a Walmart and nobody's going to pay attention because they're too busy looking at the people of Walmart to pay attention to the unconscious exactly. uh, Bigfoot you have in the But party. I show up on the Florida woman account where it's like right. in Florida last night. Crazy yeah. lady shows up with a Sasquatch strapped to her car. But in realistic standpoint, you right. know, you're looking at going, what would I do? You know, I'm not going to mm-hmm. stab this thing to death because I freaking love animals. And if this mm-hmm. thing is truly an animal, I'm not going to go stab it to death. So I honestly, in my head, I've never thought about taking one aside from tranking it, doing what I need to do, take the swab, get everything I need from this thing to prove the existence of it, to take to a lab, like a mouse swab for DNA, take some hair samples, maybe a tissue sample, get all up in it, you know, get in there and then let it go. Well, you know what, for the DNA, people have left food and some of it will be left over afterwards. 
has anybody tested the DNA for the the saliva and things from the creatures that have eaten that to see if we can get any kind of any kind of anything off of it? No, and I love your way of thinking. They don't. They don't. This is the problem I have. So even like I'll see it time and time again where people will be like, I found a nest, and they take pictures of themselves sitting in it. Well, you've just ruined all the DNA data that we could have pulled eDNA from it, right? Because so my extensive work in this is how can I prove its existence? I'm going to take it like to the next level. So I actually mm -hmm. found two scientists that are female scientists, one in Germany and one in Switzerland, who created an eDNA, but it pulls DNA from the air. So it, this is something that is huge. They actually tested it at a zoological park. And on the first attempt, they captured 78 specimens from just the air that matched the animals in the zoo. The next attempt they did, they got up to 140. So for me, these are things that I'm like, fine, you want to lay in a nest and ruin the DNA? Fine. I'm going to pull air. <laughs> I want to pull as much data as I can. But the technology is really, it's, it's advancing quickly to where we're mm -hmm. able to uh, set out a, a alleged, let's just say trap in a sense, not, not even like a trap, but like, let's leave out food. And whatever is left over or pieces of remnants, you know, take those pieces and definitely do an eDNA sample, but be very careful how you collect it. I mean, everything that you might see is perfect DNA. Like on average, a hunter walking through the woods, seeing a bone, they're not going to go, oh, that could be Bigfoot. We should keep that and collect that and send it to a lab. They just think it's an animal. So realistically, if you're thinking about it, you could have walked past half a billion Bigfoot bodies in different pieces and parts all over because scavenger animals do that. Mountain lions actually will tear a body apart and eat through the bone to get to the bone um, marrow because that's also other things that they need for their system. So I mean, we're talking shavings of bones. So unless you're going to go out there and collect any bone you find for testing, it's really hard for people to say, well, there's no body. Well, there could have been, but you know, Jamie and Paul hunting last week left it there. Could have, could have been there. Yeah. So these are things that I think about all the time. Stupid Jamie and Paul. Why are oh, they, God, they, they, they should have come to Jamie. Walmart. So what are we going to find first, Britt? Are we going to find out what really is inside a McRib sandwich or proof that Bigfoot <laughs> exists? Which one is scientifically <laughs> more provable? Yeah. Where do we find out that the, that the patty is made from Bigfoot? Has anybody done any scientific study on that? That would no, be I why they, they're hard as hell to get. They only nuggets. show up like once. Yeah, once every five years, <laughs> these things show up because Bigfoot's like hiding. They're like, the clown's out here hunting. Stay out. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny, though, because like these, there's only like, I'm going to say a handful of cases mm -hmm. where these have become aggressive. Otherwise, every documentation, and I know there's so many fake out there, and I just encourage anybody who's looking through Bigfoot videos to not automatically think fake. Because there are genuine videos out there that are getting lumped into fake, which really sucks. Because yeah. over the years, media has made Bigfoot into like this funny, elusive, you know, joke in a sense as to where mm -hmm. there's real science going on to find it, you know, as, as real as a real primate. And half of like a good portion of Washington state's forest, 30% has not been touched by human feet. So we don't know what's up there, you know, so it's always really curious to me. We have to keep an open mind on this respect and look at these videos. And, and what I was getting back to is they're always leaving. They're always like looking like, oh, God, dang it. God. Yeah, right? And they're walking away like, just leave me alone. Like, why are you here? You've already destroyed half my woods, which is my home, you know, and so. And they, 
I've never admitted this. I was invited to a Bigfoot hunt in Minnesota about eight, nine years ago. And I showed up, right? And I got there with this group of people. They were smoking. They wore so much perfume. I could smell them a block away. I, and I, I stood there watching these guys and, and gals that were part of this. And I, I eventually I just said, you know what, guys? I'm just really, I'm not comfortable. So they're like, oh, he's a chicken. He's a, and I let them think that because I didn't want to say you're morons. Yeah. First of all, how are, if we're going to go into this woods, I did, I showered today and all I did was use some basic, um, uh, it was like this organic soap so that I would not have any scent. I would not do anything. I didn't, I didn't even use scope. You know, I brushed my teeth real quick with some toothpaste. I didn't want to leave any extra weird smell. And I'm not a Bigfoot hunter. And I'm yeah. thinking this through before I get there. I get out there yeah. and, and people are sprayed up with cologne and perfume <laughs> and cigarettes. And I'm like, how are you going to sneak up on one of the most elusive things in the woods when they're like, what the hell is in the woods with us today, right? That's got to be insane. So yeah. that the protocol. I mean, do you guys do that? Do you do you try to go all, all natural when you go into the woods so that you're not bringing funky scents with you when you go out there? I don't shower for two weeks. I want to feel like I'm in the woods. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Uh, That's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> um, no, it is really important. It's. I mean, these are things that it, you make a very valid point. And I'm actually glad that you do that, Dave, if you're going to go out in the woods and you think about these things. Because scent is huge for animals. Right. Yeah. And they're going to know you're there before, you, you know, I mean. But and there, I, there are I, sprays that... One guy was like, I spray, sprayed myself with deer urine because they eat deer. And I'm like, you're an idiot. So you She's marinated the tree? meat for him. So now all he has to do is take you home and eat you. There you I go. Meat shield. Just throw yeah. him. Just be like, there's our yeah. meat shield in case one's coming. This our guy. This guy. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, realistically, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's really important to to try and be as neutral to the woods as possible. Um, yeah. You know, I, I if you're going to go out, even your clothing, try and wear clothes that I, I, you know, I've been in your closet for a while that kind of build its own closet musky scent that's not going to be like, oh, I just sprayed cotton candy on it, ready to go out. Because the slightest scent, even with working with large cats like lions, you know, I, I remember I was dealing with one and she really liked me, but my mom had a smell on her and she was back behind the corner and that cat knew she was there and she liked me, but she was like, I smell, I don't like that smell. So you have to understand their sense of smell is, you know, and especially in the woods, other things that aren't heightened to us right now are going to be heightened for them. So they're going to know you're there before we do. They're going to sense you. They're going to feel you. They're going to be like, oh, here we go again. So they're already two steps ahead of us. And we think. Yeah, I'm wearing my shirt for Bigfoot hunting. I figured I could blend in into the woods. <laughs> it's perfect. Just my, it's perfect. I could hide when I hear it coming. I'm like Schwarzenegger and Predator. I'll just rub a little mud on and stand against a bunch of bushes. <laughs> Yeah, don't uh, don't go walking uh, dead don't use the blood that that'll no, be real bad no that's real that's bad. all bad uh fascinating <laughs> stuff i love that you gave both of you gave me some new insights tonight i can honestly tell you i have never heard before on why the footprints might disappear uh nate bringing up mm -hmm. why the bones are not easily found these, these are great insights and i appreciate yeah. it and to some yeah. of our listeners uh, they're probably asking those same questions and, and wanting these kind of answers that is great insight for those of you that already knew this shut up nobody asked your snobby opinion anyway <laughs> we appreciate it so this is, to you. right exactly good good for knowing that um <laughs>
crazy stuff and i know you're big into ufology uh i mm-hmm. i, I want to have you back to talk to talk about that as well as a matter of fact in a few weeks i've got an interesting show coming up about abduction and you know i'd love to have you be a bookend guest on that so we'll get you back in and and talk absolutely um great stuff tell people real quickly about your podcast what they can expect and where they can find you i know we have a link for it on today's program guide but give them the give them the 30 second spiel so you can find us at anchor.fm forward slash no earthly explanation. My mentor um, and author, head ufologist of Roswell, realistically, worked with J. Allen Hynek with KUFOs. Um, you can find him anywhere. His books are on Amazon as well. Uh, Witness to Roswell is one of the best. We just celebrated the 75th anniversary. Our show, No Earthly Explanation, basically is what it says. We bring on guests or we talk about things that just leave us going. There is no earthly explanation for this. And, you know, both being investigators and researchers in the field of phenomena, as far as UFOs, cryptids, ghosts, all such weird activities, these are things that interest us. And so coming together, um, I don't think a lot of people expect ufologists to talk about these different areas of interest, but as Heineck would say, why not? What would Heineck do as we like to joke? And Heineck would have had his boots on and been on that plane to go see what the heck's going on. So that's what we're going to do. Exactly. Fantastic. There is a link up for her show, for her site, for her Facebook, so you can find it. We've got links up for all of our guests tonight. Uh, Brittany, I know we originally uh, began our conversation with you asking me to be on your show about a year ago, and we've not yes. made a connection, but I'm glad I was able to to strike first and get you on here. So thank you. Can we'll you hopefully talk to you in a couple of weeks as well. Uh, so thank you again for being a part of this. Thank you all for tuning in and being a part of this. And I'd like to thank Nate Breslin, uh, Brittany Barbieri, and of course, Jamie Kaler for stopping by tonight. Check out those links that we've provided to keep up with each one of these great guests. And thank you all again for visiting the Paranormal 60, allowing me along on your journey. And may the darkness be just a little more light with the information that we share here. And next time you find yourself in the woods, maybe you should consider that you're not the observer. Maybe you're the one that's being observed. Make sure to like this video and the podcast and subscribe. Tell everybody about it. Let the world know about the best in paranormal programming. You hear it from me and the amazing guests that we feature every week on this show. This program is part of the UnX Network. That's right, part of the UnX Network. And if you are not already subscribed to the UnX Network, you should. If not, go log on at UnX xnetwork.com sign up for a free subscription right there on the main page of the site once you are a free x subscriber you'll receive the monthly unx newsletter the x blog access and get the full quarterly unx magazine digital copy all for free so go to unxnetwork.com and become a free x subscriber today thanks for tuning in we'll be back again this friday with the supernatural and paranormal news from all around the world and all four of the paranormal news crew back together where they belong
The Paranormal 60 is a Don't Go in the Woods production. And we work in conjunction with, hey, Ronald, bring me my damn McRibs. We'll see you again next week right here.